Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now on Giddy Up, it's time for the debrief with Dean Watling and Tom Haylock. Tommy Haylock's still, I don't know, he was at the York races last week. I think he's been to a few EPL matches, so he's still enjoying London. And uh, Mickey Gaddon's just dominating proceedings there on a Saturday, tipping the house down, and he's back with us along with Dean Watling from DeanWatling.com. First of all, Dino, what a weekend it was, and, geez, I can't wait for this weekend already. Yeah, good morning, Gareth. Good morning, Gano, and all the listeners. It was a little bit, again, a little bit of an entree. Um, we had good race in Sydney and Melbourne, but it just gets bigger and better from here on. I don't think it stops from now till December, so... You need a little break prior to this, but it's full steam ahead. So, you know, outstanding weekend again. Mickey Gannon, g'day to you, mate. How did you, how would you rate the, the way that, that Rose Hill track played there on Saturday? Good morning, G. Yeah, I thought it was really fair. Um, interestingly enough, for the first time listening to STC, Sky Thoroughbred Central, they're actually into the track saying it's playing leaderish. And I nearly choked on my hamburger because I thought it was probably the fairest it's played at that setup for quite some time. So the answer's a pineapple when it comes to commentary around it because I think they get it wrong so often. But there was one leader one. So you're having a crack at Ronnie Duffersy here, basically, Mickey Gannon. Yeah, I'm opening the shoulders. Duffersy, Radley, whoever it is, just like have a good outlook at yourselves because that's please don't snip that up Ollie. Um yes, but I that's, think it uh, is. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. But that, that's one leader one. How good are yeah. you? They ran pretty even sectionals in that race. I know Dino reckon they went slow, but to the eye it didn't look that bad. Um but he might have some more data on that later. And then five of the ten runners did run uh settled in the top four, G, but that's what you'd expect with Rose Hill Rail out. I yeah. thought it was pretty fair. Horse like Tom Kitten came over the top with a big weight. I thought it was pretty fair. Track much fairer than the valley, G. Dino? Yeah, it was outstanding. Uh, I thought it was a phenomenal track. Uh, we were going into it thinking there was going to be rails and run. Seven out of the ten winners did come from rails and run, but I think the, the smaller fields and some gun rides made that stat probably look more um, um, probably more damning than it actually was. Uh, you look at just got to look at the 1,100-meter races. You're hard to make ground in them uh, as is. And you saw in the San Domenico, we had horses flying from the back, running some of the best sectionals home, nearly getting over the top. Hugh Cass, Tom Kitten. End cap all running on, and like Gunnar mentioned, how good to use probably the only winner of the day to to come from um, up on top. Vernelli and Diamond Dealer are there as well, so um, I thought it plays outstanding. And if you refer back to it, or the person sitting in the pub having a bet, I think there's no questions asked. I think this was one of the highlights of the weekend. The performance of Tom Kitten, as James Cummings pointed out, he had no right really to win there on Saturday with him giving weight to some nice horses in the up and coming stakes and. Probably the 1,300 metres they probably thought might be a little bit too short for him, but he did this on, on Saturday afternoon. Further back to Marm Warren, Tom Kitten coming to the outside. Griff showing plenty of fight, laying it down to Lee Vompier. Kintyre running on. Cabalas one paced and Tom Kitten starting to lengthen. Kintyre in the middle of the track. Kintyre racer to the lead. Tom's on the scene. Tom Kitten and Kintyre and Tom. Tom got the bob and beat Kintyre. End cap charging home at a third. Listening to James and the driver, you're probably thinking that this horse, they didn't have the expectation that he could do what he did there on Saturday? Did they underestimate 
Tom Kitten or did they overestimate his opposition there on the weekend? And Cat was unlucky. Kintai was brave on pace. But as James pointed out, the, the spring stakes are later on in the spring. Dino's got his name written all over it. I think he could have got $11 when we were trying to tip him late last week in that in that race in the all-in markets. And he's just come back a different horse, this preparation, Tommy boy. He has, and it probably was a credit to the team. They obviously spoke to us about him as a two-year-old and just said he was a big raw thing that um, obviously they had an opinion to be a better three-year-old. And good on you if you backed him and stayed on course because James and the team sort of called, uh, poured cold water on him that he wasn't ready for this setup. He needed further, et cetera, et cetera. But he's absolutely stormed home. And I think this shows how perfectly that track did play. This is the fastest um, or one of the fastest early sectionals to the 600 of the day. So they've gone out about 2.7 lengths faster than the average which has set it up uh, for something to come over the top. And I just think that shows the staying S or the stayingness ability of Tom Kitten to come home over the top of that fast tempo and got an absolute peach by Nash. Um, it was a brilliant ride. And that was probably the difference between him winning compared to an end cap and Ducas winning. They were sort of bumper carring in and out down the straight where Nash just gave Tom Kitten a beautiful run. Um, obviously the one to talk out about, uh, about the race was Cabulas, who was poor, but, did pull up with mucus in the system post race. So that's two horses from the Wallace table the last couple of weeks that have pulled up with mucus. So maybe something to watch, but um, Tom Kitten, good luck uh, beating him in the spring champions. He looks an out and out um, group one star now. Mickey G. Yeah, I thought Duke Cass is probably the horse I really want to follow from the race, G. Obviously, Tom Kitten, um, easy enough to find for everyone, but I thought Duke Cass was just held up a little bit in the straight and didn't quite get every possible. So I think, uh, Chad, hopefully Chad Schofield turns up on time and um, at the right weight and be able to get the ride next time. But uh, that's the horse to follow from that race. Other so than what are you that, trying I... to say there? You got a story that you, about Chaddy Schofield? Oh, he turned up late to ride um, in secret for a, um, a, a what, what do you call it? In between. Jump out. In between, yeah, track gallop and yeah. then he's yeah, overweight for um, <laughs> overweight for the ride. So he's had a bit of a mare, old Chad, but uh, he'll, be, he'll be right. He'll be back. But I think Ducasse is the horse to follow outside of Tom Kitten G. I think we want to pen pretty much everything else in the race because they're really disappointing. And I think the show, sometimes we get a little bit excited about these horses that have been up for a while, but uh, Tom Kitten, different gravy. Yeah, I think Cabalas pulled up um, with mucus. I think it'll be going to the paddock, I would imagine. Now James McDonald said it's come towards the end of its preparation. 8.43, let's take a break. On the other side of it, we'll come back and have a chat about the San Domenico. And hats off to our great friend here on... Get out one of our listeners, Jace, who he texted in, I reckon, over the last month or so, at least three times a day telling us how good Libertad is and get on for the Golden Rose and how this bargain buy is going to defeat all of the blue blue bloods in the in the Golden Rose coming up in a few weeks' time. And he was right on the money. Well, he would have had a big smile on his face after Libertad took out the San Domenico on Saturday afternoon. So we'll have a chat about that race straight after this. Libertad is chiming in, introducing Needs Room. Then came Moravia, Butch Cassidy. Further back, General Salute pushing out. Got underneath Cornicius. Libertad got to the front. Moravia's on the scene. Libertad in front from Moravia. Butch Cassidy late, but it's Libertad in the San Domenico. Libertad beat Moravia and the fast finishing Butch It was Cassidy. a gem of a ride by Chatty Schofield. It was an 11 out of 10, Mickey Gannon. That's how you use your initiative. You read the race, you take a punt, and he took the punt, and sometimes it doesn't come off. But when it does, you should be rewarded with um, the accolades that that come your way. And he, it, it, the, the ride won that horse the race. 
Clearly the ride of the day, G, without a shadow of yeah. a doubt, from barrier 10, rolls across, 1,100 metres start at Rose Hill. You need a big kahunas to pull that one off, and he's done it, and he's done well. Uh, very, very impressive win from Libertad. Uh, in regards to the race, I'm not sure what you do with the race moving forward. I think Libertad might be the only horse you really want to follow. You need a horse like uh, General Salute making ground. Oof. Gee, what about close. I, I don't what know what about, you do with it. What about my horse, Kandinsky Abstract? He was out the back, and I don't think... He, he took the long way home, didn't he? Yeah, it, it, like, <laughs> I, I think that's a forgive run in my eyes. Like, I still give him another chance, Dino. Yeah, he put up one out of five lane and still ran the fifth fastest last 600 of the meeting. So he's probably, on face value, it looks like he's gone poor. But those two from the back, Corniche as well, he put up one out of five lane, and they were the two betting moves. So I think... What we do next start is just trust ASP. And I don't think Kandinsky Abstract was ever there to win from the wide gate. He was always going to be snagged back. So it's a bit of a tricky race, like Gano mentioned, to to move forward. Libertad probably got the run of the race. And without that run of the race, might not have won. Mulvaria comes out of a 900-meter maiden at Newcastle and runs superbly. And then, like you mentioned, general salute running on from the back. So the race overall has rated well on the interim data. So I'm happy to follow it. But the two big ones for me would be Corniche, that betting move. $8 it opened on Wednesday and started 390 was 440 into 370 on race day. And Kandinsky Abstract was similar. So I think they're the big two. Uh, I want to follow moving to probably to the run to the rows. But um, yeah, well done to Annabelle Nish. And like you said, Chad Schofield. It's not often that a ride solely wins the race. You've got to have a horse under you. But I think the ride out and out won the horse or won Libertad to San Dominico's Gareth. What are we doing with the instructor? Yeah, he was disappointing. Really disappointing. Uh, they've gone a little bit slow to the, the six again, but I thought he had every possible chance. Yeah. Outside the leader was probably the, the spot to be on the day. Albeit seven of the ten winners did come for the rails, but I don't think it was a rails and run advantage day. Um, and that, he was poor. Introducing was poor as well. And it probably just showed that that rosebud form, Gano, yeah. probably one to two lengths off these um, superior or your, your top three-year-olds at the moment. Yeah, spot on. I find the race just, I don't know if I'm confused as such, or just, just lack confidence in, in following any of these. I understand Cornisha, I understand Kibiski abstract, you know, horses to follow when they get to probably more of a um, ideal prepar- ideal sort of setup, especially Kibiski abstract. So with you, G, I think we could probably follow that one, but that's probably it for so, me. So Golden Rose Market, we haven't seen Shinzo yet, $5. We've seen Cylinder, $7. Militarized, 9 King Colorado, $11. <laughs> I think it goes to the Golden Rose and then to the Guineas. Libertad at 13, Tommy Kitten at 13, King's Gambit at 15, Kandinsky Abstract out to $17, Charmstone at $15, that impressive filly the other day in in Melbourne. So um, just quickly, lads, before this break, do we have any, is there any value there in the Golden Rose, Dino? Yeah, I think King's Gambit, uh, around that $15 mark, I think you could chime into that. His yep. trial the other day suggests he'd come back better. I guess summarising what Gano's saying, we're saying off this race, we're still probably, there's not an out-and-out out, um, three-year-old star yet. We're still waiting for someone to put their hands up. So probably their way. 20 seconds, Gano, if you got something. Yeah, I'm, I think King Colorado is a horse I want to keep following. So yep. you think Golden Rose into Guineas? Is that is that the the Yeah, uh, that's the, play? the plan, yes. Yeah, I love it. Eleven dollars, King Colorado. I think um, your horse there in King's Gambit heads to Melbourne on the weekend. So looking forward to seeing what he can do at Caulfield. That's a brilliant meeting at Caulfield on Saturday. Let's Arbor. take yeah, let's take a quick break. On the other side of it, we'll come back with plenty more. This is the debrief on this uh, Monday morning. The best time of the year heading into September. My favourite month. You got the footy finals and. 
Some of the best horses in the land doing battle, both in Sydney and Melbourne especially. And then we get into October where the biggest races in this country will be run and won. And then the early part of November as well as we get set for that magical Flemington Carnival. Matty T says, Timmy Clark's ride on How Good Are You was uh, one of a, a genius. It was a masterclass on uh, a front runner with no weight on his back. He gave them no chance behind him. And Dino were just analysing the pace of that race. Cool's eye. She, she's a funny horse. Sterling Alexio told us that she was off her head first up there at Rose Hill. And it looks like when she was keen again in the run that she might have uh, been a little bit of a handful as well pre-race there on Saturday. Yeah, she looked like that in the run. And I think the sitting sprint set up on this race, which Timmy Clark turned it into, probably didn't suit her at all. Uh, but I think you can just show that by the sectionals, how good this horse is, how good yeah. are you? Um, they've gone slow to the 600 metres, but 3.2 lengths faster than average home from the six suggests <laughs> that this horse has a turn of foot. And when you give a horse like that, that race set up, um, you know, they're, they're mighty hard to beat. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Now, look, the thing I just want to reiterate is Timmy Clark's not setting the pace. The, the horse in second setting the pace. So if you're not applying any pressure to TC, uh, then he'll do what he likes. But the, the the horse OSL is the one that sets the pace. So it's a really interesting sort of way to, to look at it. But small field, you're going to get that. You yeah. rode, the, rode the horse to perfection. I think if you um, go at a faster tempo, I think the same horse wins because it probably needs to get out to 800 metres and, this is probably the best horse in the race, G. Is there a good is there a good race in Marquez, this progressive stay, a son of Toronado for Godolphin? Um, they don't usually buy these type of horses at the sales, but um looks like they've spent a lot of time like they've given him a lot of time. He had a throat operation. It was a good effort over the fifteen hundred metres. Can he win a nice race up in trip this prep, Mickey G? Oh, yeah, he can, but gee, got yeah. blessed in run. I thought the few unlucky runners there, Graciela Styler, Fajita San, I don't know if I want to be, you know, following Graciela Styler through to the spring. So, no. therefore, I do have my question marks over Marquez. Fajita San a bit unlucky. I don't know, gee. Yeah, it's, it's just a race. It's just a benchmark 78. All right. Then what about Extravagant Star was given a peach there by Jay Mack, who had a good day at the office again with the treble. Smashing Eagle was second. Dino, would you make of that race the fifth, uh, the benchmark 78? Yeah, well, Smashing Eagle's absolutely flying. I gave him no chance of Matty Malay of the day, just purely of his pattern, but he was superb. Fastest um, late splits of the entire meeting there. So he's gone great. Extravagant Star's really good lesson in that. Um, Murray Houston's first up, um, they can often improve sharply second up off a good first up run, and that's exactly what Extravagant Star's done. But Again, we're talking about a benchmark 78. The race overall is rated really well. So these are a couple we maybe can follow through, but Smashing Eel is probably more closer to the end right. than the start yeah. of his preparation. But Extravagant Star still got plenty of upside to come. All right, boys, any horses to follow? Veronelli was what Veronelli does, tough on pace, political debate. Pro Mickey Gannon gave that a wonderful push there, Mickey. Oh, on I've Saturday. got something to say here, G. Yeah. I'd go through the stewards report and it just it just blows your mind. So Veronelli has been hit three extra times before the 100 metres. The horse was dead set on the canvas. Regan's got him off the canvas, but he's hit him three too many times. No issues, though. Play on. We're not going to worry about it. We just have the rules there, but we won't follow on. And, so you're um, dirty. You get beat. You're dirty. You, well, you, I don't feel so physical. What would you you're like, to the rules. From a punter, to the rules of the game. 100%. Regan has it. So from, and and, and nearly gets off the canvas. So, now, if we want to promote turnover and punting dollar it's hard to continue to do so when it just, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a circus been, sometimes, but I got beat. 
Pop it on yep. the chin, unlucky. It's been my argument all along. If you're going to have these rules, implement them and disqualify jockeys if they break those rules. Um, yeah. Because it's a difference sometimes from winning and losing. Now, the sh- and it's sometimes jockeys can get too busy and overuse the whip, which is detrimental to their horse's chances. But if you're going to have rules, implement the rules or don't bother. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and in this case, especially the horse, the, the horse needed the best way past it. Yeah. He went past it. Like I, if, if it's, if it's, you know, leading and won by a length and a half and they've hit it two, two, you know, two too many times, I kind of understand the argument to let it go, but it's, it's gone past it. Yeah. What about oh, um, horses to follow? I yeah, I've got, anymore. I've got a couple to follow out of the meeting. I thought it was a bit of a tricky meeting, a really open meeting overall. But I think Petitri Abstract and Cornish are the betting moves and their lameness uh, in that race. I think they're the two we can follow to the to the run to the rose. And the obvious one's Top and Kittens. I just think he wasn't deserving or probably shouldn't have won on the weekend over that distance. And he's just going to get better and better. So watch for him third up. They're the three for me in a pretty straightforward weekend, you know. Yeah, I think Brosnan's come back huge, G. You identified the horse on Saturday. I think he's going to go on to bigger and better things. Uh, this preparation was luckless in the home straight. How good are you? Has a bigger, better run yep. in it in a group race at some stage. And I think Ducast, best maiden in the country, will get the job done uh, second up. A few text messages coming through. Could you please explain to me how you say it's a huge run if the pace of a race is really quick and a horse comes from the back of the field like Tom Kitten runs over the top of them? But then at the same time, you'll say that the pace of the race was run slowly and it makes it possible for horses to run on. I, I guess, and we mentioned this with Dicko before, um, Mickey Gannon and Dean Watling, we'll go to you first, Mick Gannon and Dino, is that it's horses for courses. Sometimes if a horse goes too slow up, up in front, it's actually um, an advantage to horses in the back of the field who've got a better turn of foot. Perfect example, yeah, Tis Invincible in, in, in the Rose Bowl. If we're going for a jog, you, me, and Dino, and your and you bloke set a slow pace, I'm going to go turn a foot and just out sprint your late. Simple as that. Yes. His Invincible was a classic example, right? The horse has the best turn of foot. They didn't go quick enough. It wasn't run off its feet. It kicked clear, hard to beat. Dino, anything else to add? Yeah, and then the, the opposite of that, to that is if you're a leader and you don't have a turn of foot, if you do turn the race, if you go slow, say, to the 100-meter mark and then you start sprinting, the horses behind you are going to run on. So your advantage would be go faster. Therefore, that suits you and it makes the horses that, say, settle second last and last, they have to sustain a run from, say, the 600 meters. So it's not a turn of foot. So um, like uh, Gareth suggested, it all comes down to the type of horse that you need. So Tom Kittens, he's a horse who's going to, get better over further, um, but for him to run on off the back of a fast speed and make up that much ground, it was superb. Uh, comparatively to how good are you, she's got a turn of foot. So going slow, perfectly suited that horse to sit and sprint and out-sprint those horses out in front. So, I don't, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, so yeah, you know. it's horses for courses, like I, you mentioned, Gareth. I don't think, it, I don't know with your, the data that you guys use, whether you get this information or not, but I think it's, it's prevalent when, you're having a look at the harness racing form as well. I think sometimes when you're analyzing races or you're trying to predict a race, the most important um, factor that you need to take into consideration is what they do at the start of the race, how quick they go in the early part. Because even, uh, I know this is a, a comparison, you might think that we're crazy, but even if you go for a runner, right, and you go flat out and you're going for a K and you go flat out the first 400 meters, you never finish it off in the last 600 metres, it's difficult. And if horses are uh, open out, if their lungs are opened up in the early part, 
then it makes it really difficult for them to finish off. But if they can get a nice, easy part in the first couple of furlongs, then then they can build up momentum in their races. So I think that's a, a, a stat that um, is important when you're analysing races, Dino. Yeah, it definitely is. I think Nature Trip's probably the perfect example. Yep. You never see him Correct. go really slow to the 600-metre mark and then try to out-sprint these top liners. He burns them from the from the start. He wins his races from the 600 to the 200, and his last 200 metres is the jockey clinging on and hoping that they don't run over the top of him. So there's a couple of different scenarios, and race fields, the size of race fields often dictates it as well. If you've got a bigger field, um, you can move up to the leaders uh, with a slower tempo rather than a fast field. You can... Um, be a long way back needing all to do, Gano. So each race, uh, dissecting it and understanding the tempo is crucial. Yeah, I'd just say as well, class plays a big factor in in this, G. So if you're going to Gundagai on a Sunday, mm-hmm. you know, the the class, the more classier, the, sorry, you know, the less classier the horse, they're not going to, they don't have a turn of foot, they can't make up the distance. But if you go to Ramwick on a, on a Saturday in a group three race yeah. and you have a slowly run sprint race, and a horse like Tis Invincible or something like that, it, it isn't far off the lead. It has a, the best turn of foot because it's the best horse in the race it can win. So the, the class plays a big factor. You know, good horses have good turn of turn of foot, really. That's that's as simple as that. So if you let them get too close to you, they will run over the top. Let's have a chat about this weekend. The Concord's going to be a fascinating race because you're going to have a few of the Everest hopes having their, their first hit out this campaign. And all eyes are on Nature's Trip. 1,000 metres first up, he's been really good in this race in previous years, Dino, but we'll get to see where he's at, the old boy, if he's still got that spring in his step and that motivation to compete. Exactly, and he's he's a horse that uh, has a lot of an opinion. He's a hard horse to catch, but his fresh runs previously have all been some of his best. Um, thousand metre suits him. He's obviously going to come up against Eduardo, who's got a great record as well, but um, for mine, I thought his trial was a little bit underwhelming this preparation, so I can't wait to see him. He, he's not a betting prospect for me uh, this far out, but odds dependent. He, he might get out to a ridiculous price where you've got to chime in, but it's a great kickoff kick point. And I think the Concord has produced a couple of Everest winners. They obviously go there, then to the shorts, and then to the Everest. So mm-hmm. um, exciting, and the, the stacks of racing all around it as well. I, I've got yeah, one. Jimmy, yeah, so Jimmy getting think. long in the tooth, Eduardo on Nature Street. Fair yeah. But it's exciting because I love, I love an old boy and a veteran to say, okay, we can still do it at this age. Um, and we love to see our, our geldings continue to race on. And Nature's Trip has been one of those sources that has encaptured the, the sporting um, public's imagination in this country because he's been able to do what he did over there in the UK. Um, he performs in all of the big dances and He's been around for so long. So I hope he can perform and prove that age is no barrier and inspire everybody. Now, the Chelmsford Stakes, whatever price they put up Monophilia today, I, I recommend you have something on her. 1,600 metres, second up after what she did there the other day in the Wink Stakes. This is her race, boys. I've been waiting for the Chelmsford for a long time now. It's a good shout. A really good shout. Think it over's back as well. Who Ya Meow, who I've been bullish off the trolls expected to line up. Please. Scarif, it would be a good race to Chelsea. Six hundred metres at Ramwick uh, is some of the best racing you'll ever see. So I'm um, excited. I think Montefilia, she was huge first up and I suggest she's probably a better sixteen to two thousand metre horse than she is two thousand metres beyond. Mickey. Can't wait. Yeah. Cannot wait. I have no no early predictions. It's gonna be a, an enormous race. Hinge, Manzoris, Montefilia all going there from the wall of the stable. That's confirmed. I think Fangirl, they're, they're waiting for um, three three to four weeks. So 
we know she won't be going there. Huge race. Can't wait, G. What do you do with it at the stage? Probably just wait for the barriers and, and see who is Noms. Hinge probably gets uh, her chance, though. Gee, she's um, been there or thereabouts, hasn't she? You can have Hinge. She won't be beating Monophilia <laughs> 1,600 metres at Randwick on a Saturday afternoon. And what a race meeting that promises to be there at, in Sydney. And the Memsey Stakes is a beauty. Who, like Alligator Blood out of 550, bet 365. I wish I win, Mr. Brightside. Equal favourites at $3.00. On a Monday morning, without seeing the barriers, who you're with? Um, we'll go with you, deanwatling.com. 1,400 metres at Caulfield, inside draw, hopefully Alligator Blood, mighty hard to beat. If they don't beat Alligator okay. Blood first up, um, you won't be betting for the rest of the preparation. There you go. Gano? Yeah, I think at the 550, Alligator Blood's probably the horse, you know, compared to I Wish I Win $3 and Mr. Brightside $3. What are we doing with I Wish I Win 1,400 metres? first up G what's the rest of the preparation look like straight into the Everest after this then I'll probably have a trial a couple of weeks before the Everest just to sharpen him up but it'd be interesting like Moody's just had no other option he says there's no other races for him in Melbourne before the Everest so they have to go to the Memsey 1400 metres I, I, I would imagine whoever's riding alligator blood will have to try and break their hearts you know like take, take the sprint um, it's a surprise. Uh, uh, I wish I win. Who is riding um, Alligator Blood there? There's no jockey. I think you, you, a TC would go down. You'd yeah, imagine. you would imagine. Yeah. But worst it's case, you get Jordy Childs or Joshy Parhead down, that they'll all yep. do a job. Mm. It's surprising he hasn't gone to the Concord with I wish I win. A thousand metres, he did that uh, in the autumn um, in the, yep. the Lightning Stakes. Uh, so I'm surprised they don't go to Ram. We give him uh, a zoom around there, keep him in Sydney and then prep up for it. But, um, Peter Moody loves to do stuff different. I love it. It just creates another angle for this race. And, um, yeah, that's great for opinions and betting as well. I apologise. Don Corleone, not King's Gambit's heading to the McNeil Stakes. Little Bro's taking on Barber, taking on V8 in that contest. Barber's safe for this race because he's a, he's a better horse first up and um, he should get a lovely gate because there's only about four or five, I think, maybe six that might head towards yeah, the McNeil I'll do well to beat Barber. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great weekend this weekend, boys. We'll analyse it, of course, on Thursday with the weekend preview. Anything else to add? Horses to follow from the Valley, maybe something out wide, Dino, as we say goodbye. Any future? Um, I'm trying to have a think. No, I'm pretty good. Yeah. Uh, a little nibble today, race two at Packenham Synthetic. There's a horse that wears some red silks for the Pete and Moody camp uh, who will be mighty hard to beat. So that's the only thing I can... Um, Suggest off the off the end of the show. All right, beautiful. Shiva was our play there the other day on a yes. Friday, Geelong. Hopefully, if like fifteen dollars into four sixty, we've been tipping it since the Persic Sykes, but finally, um, uh, we get to make some money out of her. Mickey Gannon, appreciate your work, mate. Enjoy your golf. Thank you, G. Just trying to find that horse in the red colours there for Peter Moody. It's called Mawesha at a dollar ninety five now. Race eight having its first start. Good on you, Dino. Good on you, Mickey Gannon. Thanks, mate.